0: On this episode of Resi Week, we talk ISC West, normalizing turnover, and AV technicians are in demand. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week.
1: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is, is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. <laughs>
0: This is Resi Week, episode 375. AR Ready. Welcome to a special episode of Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential avian industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for AviNation.tv. And this week I'm pleased to be joined by my grandma. Uh, my favorite person in East Alton, Illinois. Wow. It's Timothy Albright. He's the founder of AV Nation and my grandma, Tim. How are you doing, Tim?
1: I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. Sorry. I had a cough before uh, I talked.
0: It's it's what we do. Three, two, one. All right, Tim. Uh, it is the the end of Easter weekend, so everybody is jammed with two short weeks. So thanks for jumping in. And chatting with me a little bit today, we are going to kick it off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro ISC West. Uh, it's a recap that brings the bustle and then some to Vegas. Uh, we actually had Avi on uh, last week who was at ISC West and he he talked a lot about it. Uh, so a you can listen to that episode, but b uh, go and read through the article. They they talk about uh, the the 500 exhibitors that were there uh, and how excited per se. Um, Everyone seemed to be at the show. There's a, there's a video that goes along with it. Tim, what I wanted to ask you about was one of the things that they hit on and and Avi hit on as well was the fact that attendees were excited and energized and, you know, seemed quite positive in their outlook uh, on the future. uh, And also that manufacturers were bringing new products to the table. Uh, which hasn't really been the case in a while. So yeah. typically the last couple of years, when we talk about trade shows, we ask the inevitable, are trade shows back? And everybody goes, yes, it's great to be friendly together. Um, so I do want to ask that question in the sense yeah. of, are we back on track with product releases and companies actually showing new stuff? Uh, but I also want to ask about the the positive outlook. And I'm not trying to be a negative Nancy. Um, but I I'm reading a lot of stuff that that says that this positive outlook is is there, but it's overlooking a lot of factors that are implying that it shouldn't be.
1: Yeah. Where are we at with that? I will. I I listened to the the the, the episode. I love Avi uh and his outlook. Uh I was in in Dallas last week with our buddy Michael Peebler, uh, from mm-hmm. Alice IED. Um, sponsor of avi nation they were an exhibitor at isc west this is the the this the the story that michael relayed to me he said first day of the show typically he'll he'll be able to get you know a lunch break around noon or one right yeah. he said show starts at 10 a.m he turned around and it was four thirty p.m and he had not had a break now as an exhibitor for you know on a human level holy crap that's a long time of that's going time. and talking and but but, from an exhibitor' standpoint, you love to hear that because that means number one you're busy your your booth is busy and you're not noticing the time right you're not you're not watching the seconds crawl by your mm-hmm. your day has absolutely blown by um, but the excitement level as well is what michael related you know related to me. he said the folks were excited, they were energetic they were excited about the future they were optimistic about the future now a little bit of what you're you're relaying to, I think, is the the economic forecast, right? Yeah. The the potential recession, the potential economic downturn. And you and I have both been to several conferences. We've listened to enough economists over the years. We've heard enough people with PhDs in, 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 in economics and stuff like that to understand that these folks sometimes are wrong. More often they're right, but sometimes they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at some of the sectors right um the 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 new home builds are 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 down right mm-hmm. but uh and and the the housing market itself is is getting to be a bit soft it is not what it was 2 years ago where you could take you know x in your house and double it just because mm-hmm. you wanted to sell it in any given market st louis included um so that that's pulled back a bit the demand is 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 softening on that But there's no other indication that either on the residential side or the commercial side, that the economy overall is going to take a hit. Um, Doesn't mean it's not going to. Doesn't mean that, that the war in Ukraine or... Some of the other factors, you know, the the supply chain, which is still an issue, and, and I don't care what manufacturer you listen to, it is still an issue in some it, sectors. It's a big one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it it's there are manufacturers that are that are producing product now, and they are shipping, and it may not be, you know, they may not have it in stock, mm-hmm. but you know, four weeks is better than no weeks, right? Yep. So at least they're they're, they're getting there, um, but we're not out of the woods yet. Right. So, so all of these factors are there and and there's a lot of unknowns. Um, I'm not trying to be a rose colored glasses type person, but there's nothing on on the horizon necessarily that is like this big ominous. Oh my gosh, the, the economy is going to come crashing to a halt. Um, I say that with, with one, one caveat. I don't know that anybody um, with the exception of the people that were the main characters in The Big Short, saw the economic crash happen in 08. Yeah. So um, certainly there is something that could come down the pipeline, but there's nothing that's like overarching. Oh my gosh, you know the the economy is going to c- cry into a halt.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And if you want more on my insight on that, DM me and I'll
1: happily show you some
0: some pointers that might give you some caution. All right, let's change topics for a second so I don't soapbox. Uh, this comes to us from Residential Systems and a good fan of the show, uh, Mr. Henry Clifford, normalizing termo- turnover, why it's never, not always a bad thing. When an employee decides to leave your company, uh, Henry, as always, has a has a really good take on things, and in this one, he's covering an, a, a recent outflow that his company, LiveR, had uh, last year, that they they labeled the texodus, um, where people were leaving, and potentially there was there was some upheaval. Through it, he goes through uh, kind of the keeper test that they use as far as if someone comes in and hands in their resignation, is that someone that you want to fight to keep, or is that someone who you go, oh man, I hate to see you go. Don't let the door hit you, because um, we've all had those people on both sides. Uh, of the argument. And in this case, they lost a a great employee that uh, moved on to bigger and better things. But in place of that individual leaving, a new uh, electrical person came in uh, that they were very excited to see. Tim, I I, want to start with you on this because in the, I'll start with you, the only one here, but
1: (laughs) I wasn't going to say that, but I'm glad you did.
0: We in this channel are not very good at normalizing, to his point, turnover. Turnover is constant. And when you talk to uh, any, especially small business owner that you deal with, they are used to it. They expect it. They know that most employees, especially at a certain level, they've got a life cycle. Maybe it's two years, maybe it's five, maybe it's 10, but a lot of positions have a life cycle. You don't expect to see someone sitting at that, you know, in this case, an entry level or or even a mid-level technician for five years, they're either going to move up or they're going to move on. What is it about our industry where we've, we seem to be isolated from that? Is it the nature of us typically being smaller businesses where turnover seems to be so, so cutting and almost... Uh, taken as like a personal betrayal, a lot of times.
1: I would say that the vast majority, it, what it is, is it comes down to the small company size, right? Uh, it is such a tight knit group. It is such a tight knit family uh, that anytime somebody leaves, I mean, if you have a, if you have a company of ten, well, that's ten percent of your work staff, right? Yeah. If ten percent of Cisco or ten percent of Amazon walked out the door, it would be a major news story, right? If ten percent of your company, Matt, walked out the door, I would say it's even bigger, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it is such a small group; it is such a small, small family. Um, you know, CTI uh, this year, my, my my day job, we've got a, a bit over six hundred. If sixty people in our company left, that would be huge. That'd be massive. So you you look at it from a percentage standpoint, and and these these you know you know you know ten twenty thirty million dollar companies are generally ran. By less than fifty people, anything like that it is a big hit. And the other other side of this is how are you replacing them? Um, you have talked about this. I've talked about this. People smarter than both of us have talked about the labor shortage, not just in the AV industry, but in in the in, you know society at large, but you mm-hmm. know technology uh, as a specific niche. There, uh, it's hard to find people, and, and we can talk about. Let's get them in the in the high schools. Let's get them in the trade schools and let's get them green and, and educate them. That's great, right? That's a fantastic idea. That doesn't help you tomorrow pull yeah. a cable, right? That doesn't help yeah. you tomorrow commission a system at a half million dollar home. It just doesn't, right? And so, yes, we should be considering considerate of our long-term plans, of our long-term issues, but where are you going to finish your job that has to be finished next week and next month? And it, it does, does go a little bit back to, you know, a little bit of, of the chip shortage. When when the chip shortage dams do break, and I'm not going to, you know, there are different different years on, from different people. Some say this year, some say 24. Uh-huh. I have unfortunately heard 25 come out of some people's mouth. Um, suddenly, the integrators, the residential dealers, the CDN members are going to find that their warehouses are full of equipment that they didn't have a year ago and they're going to be able to finish these jobs, which is fantastic, except they don't have the people power to do that. So anytime you lose people, it's a big hit. So, so let me
0: ask you this. And, and again, I'm sure we've talked about it before, but I, I have to bring it up again because we talked a couple of weeks ago about trying to get, uh, you know, more women into the industry, we've talked about trying to get more diversity into the industry, At the end of the day, we do just need more people in the industry in general, there's been talk about, you know, big tech and all the layoffs that big tech has had in the last six months. Those people in big tech can't find either jobs or. They are still you know the the employers are still looking for people when there should be a surplus of talent in our industry, both resi and commercial there is not a surplus of talent there is a massive deficit of talent, and no one has a practical solution for bringing people on i'll I'll take it this far. I also own a small construction company that specifically does mill work. You would think it would be easy to find a laborer, but we can't even do that. No, we're, we're having the heck of a time finding someone who can literally get paid fairly well to go to the truck and grab a tool and bring it back.
1: Define fairly well. And do I have to be a Canadian citizen?
0: Uh, no, no. And fairly well is, you know, me fairly well. Um, and you get healthcare up here. (laughs) That's true. I don't think anyone has a solution to this at all. I don't think... I, I have clients that own restaurants that can't get servers. Yep. So where did people go and what the heck do our service industries? Cause that's what we are at the end of the day. Yep. We are a, we supply people who facilitate a service. What happens to our industry five years down the road? If this, um, if this trend continues or doesn't dramatically increase
1: we got a business. I mean, that's the straight answer. We got a business. Um, the big get bigger and the small go out of business or get gobbled up by the, the, uh, the bigger ones. Um, the folks that can pay more, the folks that can create a better culture. Um, there's, there's one thing here that, that, you know, pay is one thing, right. And and you and I both know stories of, uh, people like, you know, um, um, you know that that uh, like Henry, that you know will lose people because of you know somebody's paying them twice as much depending on the yep. on the market. Fine, awesome groovy. You know what? You're a, you're a 26, 30 year old um, that suddenly somebody's paying you twice as much as what you're making today, dude. It, go do it. It's not sustainable though. It is not right, and it's also typically not a great culture. No, because you have to pay more to get them in your culture and keep them. Uh, and that's the one thing that, w- that we're noticing on the commercial side. Again, I'll, I'll reference my day job. We have had, I'm not going to say several or I'm not going to name a number, but we have had quite a few, uh, especially techs, uh, mm-hmm. return to the fold, as it were, after you you spend a month or two or six in a culture that, yes, is paying you more money, but no, is not a place you want to be, right, is not yeah. a place you want to spend time. These are not people you want to work with on a daily basis. These are not people you want to be surrounded by, right? Yeah. And so the the um, the folks that are in their twenties and in early thirties are recognizing that, and I think that is some of what the the service industry is seeing. And and I'll pick on on fast food for a minute. You know, fast food has been a horrible job for for years. It was when I was in high school, yeah. right? It's thankless. You make minimum wage, right? Which here in the States is like 35 cents. I know in Canada, it's $45 an hour, but yeah, in the massive. States, it's, um, it's expensive, right? Um, but um, you have to pay for health care. But yeah. it, it's a thankless job. And the, the, the managers, and I'm, I am painting broad strokes here, so don't at me. Um, the managers by and large are not that great, right? Because they're not getting paid well. And finally, through the pandemic and through everything else, folks were finally like, you know what? My life is worth more than minimum wage. And I want to do things that enrich me, that inspire me, that enhance my life. Now, yes, they have to make bill- they have to pay bills, right? But there are other options out there than getting berated every day, uh, depending on on the on the environment.
0: Yeah, I, I so want to dig into that, but then we'll cover nothing else. Okay. And this is a show about minimum wage. <laughs>
1: it's your show, dude. I don't care.
0: Yeah. No. It just. Uh... In a sense, it ties into a little bit on on the next article uh, from CE Pro where AV technician has been rated as one of the most interesting no degree jobs in the US uh, from a report from Job Sage Reports um, in and amongst that or or kind of included in that uh, front of house AV or or, or audio technician, I should say, sorry, uh, sound engineer specifically. Uh, was also included in that grouping uh, where the average salary for a Navy technician, and again, this is US-based, so do your math yep. if you want, uh, somewhere between forty and 60000 a year, which is okay money. It's not phenomenal money. Um, yep. It's around 20 to to 30 bucks an hour, give or take, um, yep. which again, is not bad money what I wonder about when I, when I see articles like this, and, and again, you only see these in our trade magazines. If you go in and and search for that report uh, in, in any other service or, or, or news org, they they're not highlighting the A- AV technician aspect. No. Um, but in terms of, of what you said previously, as far as people realizing that, no, they don't want to work fast food uh, because the environment may not be great. They're also not sliding into the AV world or the construction world or anything else. Um, We had, my, my dad had a driveway done uh, two years ago, kind of mid pandemic. And I, I was unaware, but asphalt pays really well. Shockingly enough, because it's dirty, hard, stinking work hot. They had people that were that that were literally hired on for that day to, to start. And by ten o'clock, they were walking away to the bus stop because it was hard. Um, we've had people that we've hired that worked for two days when they were inside. And they were great. The second we got outside in the summer to dig a trench for a conduit, They didn't last till noon and they were gone and asking for two weeks pay, (laughs) which is adorable. Um, this report would show a positive outlook on getting people into our industry, because again, it's a no degree position. You can start, you can make decent money. Um, and you don't have to go to trade school, which is a big one. How do we, as a as an industry, try to convert this information into anything other than this information? Because I don't think, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to nitpick immensely on our trade orgs, but this is the thing our trade orgs should be doing, and doing significantly better. Because, and, and again, I'm going to soapbox for a second. The pushback I always get from the trade orgs is that I, as a business owner, need to get out and do what Henry does, right? Uh, and what a couple other people do as far as going into high schools and going into all this other stuff. And we've done that a little bit and we've tried that and nothing necessarily comes of it, but we're also not a, a, an org that's designed and, and specifically states in, in mission statements that they're trying to grow the industry. So how, how do you convert this information into a hundred people coming into the industry across North America?
1: That would be huge. It'd be massive. I'm actually going to pick on or, or highlight a, a mutual friend of ours, and that's Richie Figoza. Um, Rich's wife, Dawn, has, mm-hmm. has done something like this for years. She has done workforce training for years. Uh, she started in uh, the Oakland school system and training uh, inner city kids on how to become chefs and cooks and, and work in the service industry, work in the computer uh, industry. She's had students present their apps and their their startups, right? Um, mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible success stories. But I would say modeling something after what Dawn's doing, and that is, yes, it's getting in the, the high schools, but it's getting in the high schools on a level that's showing them the career path it's showing them not just, hey, B's cool, AV's groovy, right? Da, da, da. No, forget that. Show these, these young people that not only is this a valid career path for them, but it's one that they can make a livable wage without the anchor of college debt. Now, yeah. the anchor of college debt is an overarching statement, 100%. I don't care if you're talking about a trade school, you're talking about a bachelor's degree or master's degree, you're going to, unless you are your parents are independently wealthy, you're going to have some level of debt when you graduate high school. Yep. If you get some sort of training program, some sort of workforce development in, in your organization, then you can provide them not only a livable wage, a trade that they can they can grow up in, but also do so without this anchor. They're going to be, incredibly indebted to you on an emotional and personal level. It doesn't mean they're never going to leave, but yeah. that does mean that they're going to have a certain level of, of loyalty to you for a certain length of time. You're all, you're also going to have one to them. Again, go back to the, the fact of mm-hmm. the smaller and mid-sized companies. You have a, a, an employee base of 50 and you add 10 of these young people over the course of four or five years, well that's that's 5-6% of your workforce. That is a large percentage of your workforce being young, being imaginative, they'll have a different perspective, they'll bring you new ideas not only on how to do the work but also how to attract other young people who are closer to their age than the 50-year-old in in the room. Yes,
0: yeah, good point. All right, let's wrap this up quickly with arguably one of the most ridiculous things I've read in a long time. <laughs> That's saying something, yeah. Um, because I read the news a lot. <laughs> oh, my goodness! All right, uh, this comes to us from Hidden Wires AR glasses can create a 215 inch vertical or sorry, virtual display. Rok- Rokid, I believe, uh, has launched its Rokid Max AR glasses uh, that are small, lightweight, offer up to six hundred nits of perceived brightness using a Sony full HD micro OLED panel that create a 615 inch screen six meters away, which equates to like 18 feet away. I think give or take, um, with a 50 degree field of view, uh, these retail for about $500. I believe I saw online, Tim, this just looks like gadgetry, and ridiculousness to me. Yeah. Granted, I'll couple that with Apple supposedly has AR glasses coming out later this year. Supposedly, um, they continue as, as as an industry. Big tech continues to try to make this a thing. These are oddly affordable, yeah, given given their specs. Who the heck is looking for this? Who is buying this? Who cares about this?
1: Mitchell picked this story, didn't he? He did. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because it's, it's you know, um, I poke fun at our fantastic producer, but um, I never do that. First of all, I, I think it's 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 the tech companies who are looking for this, right? They're they're. I mean, you remember a number of years ago, Google Glass. Mm-hmm. Right, and 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 the the I'm not gonna say debacle, but but the failure that it was. Um, there is, there will eventually be some version of augmented reality glasses and or contact lenses at some point in the future. Most likely before I retire. Okay, so you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 years ish. Um, the question is, is this the one? Right? Is this the one or is the next one the one? Is it, is it Samsung doing it or is it Sony or is it Google coming back again or is it Amazon? I don't know the answer to that. But augmented reality has such a potential and um, has such an opportunity for everything from you know facial you know, facial recognition. Because if I walk up to you and I don't remember your name because just for the record, I have a bad habit of that. Then, you know, it's going to help me do that. Or it's going to look at a plant when I'm hiking and go, no, don't eat that one, dummy. It's poisonous. Um, Instead of pulling out my phone and doing and using the app that does that, it would it would sync with with my glasses. Um, I don't you know, some of it's societal, right? Some of it's the the age group of, of folks who grew up with technology Right, I, I look at people like my dad. My dad, who is is in his seventies, would never do this. Right, would yeah. never wear this. Um, but I would hundred percent do it if it was it was liable, uh, and if it had enough specs and it had enough, you know, uh, benefits that um, that I could I could see wearing them, and if the price was right, and mm-hmm. if it did this because I, I'm I yeah, I'll be forty nine next month. And three wow. years ago, I said, shut up. I, uh, I, um, I started wearing prescription lenses because I went through a couple of years of needing readers and finally I said, screw it. And so I have prescription glasses because I'm already used to wearing the glasses and, and I don't do contacts. Cause first of all, I'm freaked out about poking my eye out uh, and it just, it's not important that important to me. If somebody could take the glasses that I like, right. And make them prescription and put AR and put the other tech in it and they didn't break the bank, I might do it. But I I don't think that society as a whole, you want to talk about market share. I don't think the market share is there yet.
0: Yeah. I'd agree with you on that one. All right. Let's wrap it up there. Tim, thanks so much for joining us. If people want to connect with you, uh, listen to you on AV week or anything else you're doing, where can they do that? They can't. Perfect.
1: You can find me uh, at AV nation. You can also find me at CTI.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me there, but do not follow me on the Twitters.
0: Well, okay then. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can still find me on Twitter at Matty Scott and most other social platforms. But more importantly, please visit aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.